This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Today, I'm speaking with Peter Kadic, founder and CEO of Seller.io. It's an AI-supported brand and digital marketing agency working with healthcare and health tech businesses. In this first part of the interview, Peter explains activity-based marketing, overcoming business owner resource constraints, and doing the basics and what that means exactly, whilst also cutting through the noise of modern marketing tools and speaking to customers in a relevant and authentic way. Let's jump in. Hey, Peter, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Sun's shining. Another beautiful day in Oz. I'm doing well. Nice to be here. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Yeah, well, nice to, nice to have you along. Um, lot to talk about with you today, Peter. Uh, you, you're moving in a really nice direction, particularly within the healthcare sector as far as uh, marketing and, uh, and revolutionizing marketing is concerned. So I was uh, pretty keen to sort of understand um, a little bit of a background around how, how you saw marketing, what sort of motivated you to actually feel that sense of passion or what you describe as a mission to re- revolutionize digital marketing. How'd you get into this? Well, I actually had another business uh, before Seller. And, you know, we had that classic problem that a lot of business owners, small business owners particularly would suffer, which is, you know, we want new customers. Um, and we're just totally, to- was totally distracted over how, how, which way to get them. I mean, we literally tried everything, um, you know, uh, barring ads in the newspaper. I think this is 10 years ago, um, you know, just literally trying different things and, and nothing really worked. Um, so I, I, I ended up realizing that um, if, if I got into a B2B channel through social media, particularly LinkedIn, this is when LinkedIn was effectively um, a recruitment platform. Um, it was a really effective way of talking to the right types of customers. And this is before anyone was even properly doing any LinkedIn marketing, literally about eight years ago. Um, and I just, it just kind of got lucky, met someone once who knew what they were doing and, and, and then realized, yeah, this, that was a great way to actually get to customers. And, and that helped me grow another few businesses I was part of. And then on the back of that, I ended up um, realizing that I really didn't like and enjoy the digital marketing side of it and brand building. And, um, and then I, I, I gravitated through, you know, a few wins, a few failures to, just more and more just enjoy the marketing and brand building and social media marketing side of, of doing business. And as that developed, um, I just got more and more into it and find myself naturally gravitating towards it until I ended up having an agency. Didn't start out with that as a dream, but yep. gravitated towards it, you know. <laughs> but in the, uh, I guess in our sector, we tend to call that pivoting, yeah. you know, where you're sort of responding to the the variations of feedback that you get from customers that you're actually working with. So uh, it's quite common. Uh, apparently, you know, it's a thing where you might embark on a business with a particular problem to solve or a particular thing to offer. And, um, and three, four, five years later, you're doing something that's just not that anymore. 
Um, but I guess that, 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 that goes towards, I guess, some of the principles of modern marketing, which is to actually be data driven and part of data, um, I'd suggest would be whatever feedback you're experiencing through that period of time. See, the reason I've asked you that question is because you talk about revolutionizing digital marketing, um, as a, sort of a precursor towards where you're at with, um, with seller.io and, um, you're, you talk a lot about systemization, uh, automation. I guess when you talk about revolutionizing uh, marketing or digital marketing, what's wrong with it that it needs the revolution? I think we've come too, we've gone too far. I think um, marketing managers, marketing coordinators, um, CEOs, founders, owners of businesses, they've been conditioned over the last decade to look at marketing as the more um, width of voice, the more uh, width of channels they're focused on, um, the greater the reach, the better. And it's put people in a really stretched, confused state where if they're not everywhere trying to do everything, there's something wrong. And if they see a competitor on three channels and they're not that, they're obviously just failing. Um, and it just blows me away the amount of conversations I have with extremely successful, potentially sometimes medium or even large businesses. And they're just not doing some of the basics well because they're trying to do everything and they've chronically, you know, chronically stretched. So I think the pro the first problem is, you know, we've just got too, we've just gone too far with digital marketing. There's just too many channels. There's just too many options. And people just lost. And I think the first part of the revolution we like to talk about as seller is, is just focus. Focus on only one channel, which works well for you and get it working for you and then look to go somewhere else. Um, and, and yeah, and that, that's like one of the, one of the core basics of, of, I guess, how to approach it, um, in our view of the world anyway. I, 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 um, really relate to what you're talking about. I um, have been critical of uh, how marketing's evolved over the years. I think, I think what tends to happen is that, um, generally speaking, a lot of people read the homepage or landing page of a particular marketing tool and get sold on that idea and think, oh, we need to add this into the arsenal um, of activity, and then we're going to hit, you know, reach the promised land. Everything's going to be great. Sales are going to be raining. Uh, on top of us. But what I've experienced over the years is that you just have another app yeah. and you just have another tool that you're, you think you're doing something with it, but it's actually just, nobody's mastered it. Nobody's figured out how to exploit it to its full potential. It's almost like being a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And I think that's how I relate to it, how you answered that question where it's not so much about just throwing everything at it, but I think the, um, just reflecting on a couple of words you used there, I think it's having that focus and, and strategy. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting you put it in the context of revolution because I kind of think that all businesses should have a strategy and a, and a focus. What, why is digital marketing just, why does it scatter the brains of business owners and, and, and practice owners so much? What do you think it is? I think it's a combination of a few things. I think the first part of the reason why is because a lot of business owners, small business owners aren't natural marketers. They've started 
being a practice or technical specialist and they've got into marketing. Um, so they might not even be um, akin to sales or the sales methodologies as well. Um, so what happens is the concept of marketing is quite foreign. They will then either try and do a little bit themselves or, you know, do some of it themselves and do an okay job of it. Or they would try and get someone overseas or cheap, young or potentially inexperienced, um, or get someone in as a marketing person who then becomes a generalist and the owner, a director or, or business though, uh, leader would typically be quite hands off or hold the reins quite loosely and think, yeah, more is best. Um, so a marketing generalist would be trying to do a little bit of everything and trying to keep that person happy or even worse, the, the business owner might be saying, Hey, yeah, I hear this a lot. So this is why I'm talking to, you know, Hey, we're not, we need to do more on Instagram or we need to do more over here. We need, or, or, or you know, I've, I've heard this, this, this email, this email came out or this uh, interview came out. I want to be interviewed. And, and the marketing person is running around, you know, trying to get them ev seen everywhere. Um, and that's one problem. I think the other challenge um, with with why we've kind of got to this point and what 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 the, the problem is is it's just like like you said before um, the marketing software companies the CRMs um, you know all of the other tools the SaaS products which you buy who do digital marketing have been conditioning everybody that theirs is the way um, so everyone just assumes that. You've got to do everything and do a little bit to work. Um, and then the final one, you don't. And then the final thing is that um, there's there's just this massive gap between the, the, the realization of the result that people want and what I've got to do to get there. Case in point, if you talk to a business owner and say, what do you want? They'll typically say, customers. And then you say, how do you normally get them? And they'll say, or no, normally through referral. And then you'll say, well, what, what are you doing with marketing? And they say, oh, I want to do digital marketing to get customers. And they'll say things like, um, our, our measure is, you know, hot inbound leads, right? Because they're measuring a referral as a lead. And then what you say to them is, yeah, but that's a qualified, intent-based, pre-nurtured, pre-warmed up person who's already, you know, who's jumped all of the trust hurdles to to come to you, right? And has been preconditioned to speak to you. So so, you know, you know, and 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 then the the problem is is that when they go off and do marketing, they'll typically get quite disappointed quite quickly because the concept of what they want is that ready to buy customer doesn't come through the door quite quick enough. Or they're there but they they just can't get them, right? Um, and then they get a bit disillusioned, run and do different channels or try, you know, throw mud at the wall. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it ultimately really goes off track. Um, but the, the reasons we get to that point are usually a combination of some of the things I spoke about before. Yeah. Um, back in the day, we before the world was so saturated with digital tools, you, you did start with a marketing plan. And um, that was underpinned or underpinning. Marketing what? A marketing plan. That's right. It's one of these things. They'll dig it up one time. You know, some archaeologists will um, bring it up. But, and, you know, we used to think of it more as top line, bottom line, where 
below the line or bottom line was the activities that are really reflected in the saturated tools that we've got choices with at the moment. There are all these tools that you can, in other words, the, the, the below the line activities are the how we're going to do something. Um, but the top line or above the line is what are we doing and why are we doing it? So it, it really, it led from the position of really understanding who it was that you wanted to speak to, um, what was the context you wanted to have that, that conversation um, and be very, very thoughtful about how that sort of goes through. I see a lot of map, mapping of that with, um, you know, this innovation that you've gone through at an agency level where um, you're not, uh, I know systems are a big part of eventually what you do, but a big part of what I understand you do, Peter, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you you do work with the customer to actually work through that, um, what I'm referring to as the top line ideas, the theories, the um, the frameworks, uh, the personas, things of that nature, and you've kind of distilled it into at least, the, this is my impression of what you're doing, Peter, these two notions of um, the activity-based marketing and uh, demand generation. Do you want do you want to unpack that for us and 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 perhaps tell us what it is and why you think that's super important? Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I think the first part of that is what's the outcome? Well, we do demand generation because we believe that although a brand wants more customers, they really also truly understand that new customers and uh, potential opportunities and deals um, comes from share of voice, brand recognition, and trust in the marketplace. So the way we look at generating demand is, is by, first of all, focusing on who are you and how you fit in the market and what do you sell or service you have, which really resonates with the audience. As in, Often people will come in and say, oh, I want to sell to, you know, 20 different types of people, five or six different products. And we'll, but the first thing we would say is, well, where can you really create and generate that demand? As in, where are, they, where are those perfect customers for you who think you're perfect too, right? Let's just start there. Um, and and where, can, where can you win? I mean, that's a big thing. You know, where do you think you can beat out your competition and actually get share a voice, um, talk of something which is truly, you know, valuable to customers, not just reverberate, you know, regurgitate something on the internet and also get them interested to talk, talk to you. And that will typically start with what you alluded to before, Yanni, like, um, the, the why, why you're doing the marketing you're going to do and what the outcome is going to be. And our approach is 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 really a focus one, like 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 really focusing on a, a customer type that could be like a, a type of two or three types of businesses at, a, at an organization size, um, could be um, you know uh, in in an industry like certain businesses this size in these industries, and then we'll then break it down another factor and, and say you know who are the people working in those businesses and and what are their persona. Um, structures look like as in what are their goals what are their challenges who are they um, and how do you then fit them um, and that's really one of the cruxes of our world in creating demand you know you have to really think about not yourself and sell i but think of you as in the customer and put yourself in their shoes and then unpack 
their view of the world and then and then build content for them from you right um and that's really the the, the approach we take with the context of generating demand um and then in terms of the, the activity-based approach and what that really looks like i mean i think traditionally and this is back to the revolutionized bit i mean traditionally agencies have have been quite focused on just hourly rates and um all would work to a set number of hours and basically put the like tools down oh we, we've hit our quota i've spent most of my time replying to your emails you know but i'm down down tools right whereas we actually work on plans so we'll do a fixed plan like like a subscription um and for that plan we'll have a set number of activities which is which are done by a three-person team um as part of the plan so even if we get sidetracked with going deeper on strategy work or say we're, we're going you know harder on communicating and building a piece of the, the puzzle we'll still have a set of activities we need to do or do the next month as well as part of our plan so that really keeps us focused on um, outputting stuff and I think that's one of the biggest challenges as well when it comes to digital marketing is you know, people underestimate how much is involved. So if you just either, you know, pay a marketing person to sit in your team and just get stuff done, it might take them months and all they might've done is had lots and lots of meetings to um, to put together some sort of plan. Whereas what we would try and do is do like a series of workshops, gets, gets us a basic plan, which will then review on quarterly cycles and the activity-based working means we're going to be producing a certain number of pieces of content. We're going to be producing a certain number of activities. We're going to be targeting a certain number of an audience. We're going to be having certain tactics running by then. So everyone's focused. Now, this is, you know what, you know what the funny thing is? This is mainly for the customer's um, benefit because what we find with working with small business owners, and I, I think a lot of the audience could relate to this, is it's usually them who are the problem in terms of time. As in the biggest restriction I think most business owners have to getting great digital marketing or marketing happening is their own time. As in they're always too busy. They don't have enough capacity or time or focus to actually get anything done. And it just gets kicked down the road. So as an agency, the easier place to be would be, well, let's just charge hours and do some work. And if you don't give us anything, well, that's your problem. Whereas, whereas we're like, no, no, what, Mr. Client, we're going to put you on a program. And this is what you need to do in this activity-based frame. This is what we're going to do. Because ultimately, we both want the same outcome. And you could be your own worst enemy. So <laughs> so, so we built that in um, for that for that basis, which is which is quite unique, I think. I would, I would, um, I would agree with you that it is quite unique. I, I think it's, um, it's very hard for traditional agencies, and by traditional, I think that that model is what is pervasive. I think the the innovation is actually working on how to actually deliver these types of services on a subscription or recurring monthly type payment. Um, but I would agree, you know, in the context of healthcare, whether it's a healthcare business, but it's particularly accentuated in a healthcare business because the revenue within a healthcare business is derived through the usage of time and so where the business owner is doing other activities other than clinical then they're actually foregoing um, a percentage of revenue that way um, you know even if you just in a simple context if you said 
that an owner could generate, I'm just going to make up some numbers for ease of the example, but let's just say if an owner could charge out $100 per appointment and they choose to each week to put um, the equivalent of eight appointments worth of effort into marketing, then in addition to whatever else the marketing costs them, they've actually foregone charging out $800 on a per week basis, which is quite an expensive um, opportunity cost for the, for the practice owner or the business owner in uh, actually trying to undertake work that they're not natively skilled in or, or, or classically trained in. And I, and I think what I'm hearing from your model, um, and it's a really interesting insight you've just given me there around what activity-based marketing um, means in the context of your agency model, but you're effectively inheriting three people uh, onto the team um, for a fraction of what it would cost to employ three people full-time within, within your business anyway. And those three people are not just ex- exclusively um, responding to the trials and tribulations of your business, but they're also a portfolio of customers. And on average, there are certain techniques that are working more consistently than others that all of a sudden you as a business owner inherit that knowledge and you inherit that IP in terms of the strategies and the activities that are being undertaken. I think that's that's something that really needs accentuating there, Peter, to actually bring that out as compared to a niche, uh, let's call it pay-per-click type agency who just specializes in putting Google AdWords up for you. You're going to pay for that, but you're not going to get mm. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think... Um... And I think I just want to caveat something as well. I mean, our typical clientele, um, we we have uh, uh, global um, global companies um, working with us, right? Um, but our, our, our real sweet spot is that um, eleven to fifty employee company um, organization, or that fifty to two hundred employee organization. And what's interesting is that's a classic small to large small business, right? And I think what's interesting is that organization at that size would typically be resource poor, time poor, um, founder, owner, director, um, heavy, as in needing that like that practice lead, like you said, who is a clinical technician who will be doing a bit of marketing on, on the side or have someone in their team doing a little bit of marketing on the side or have somebody part-time employed, right? Um, that's a really good fit for us. Um, and when a business gets over, say, two, another reason I'm giving this context is because it's in the context of other agencies. When a business has two, three, four hundred people, they te- they tend to have a a team siloed specifically just for a function. Is it a sales team, a marketing team, accounts team, uh, an account management team, right, a customer success team? Um, and with within that team, um, a t- typical agency who has a a fixed fee sort of um, paper paper hour basis can quite easily accommodate and, and wrap around them. And that's, I think, where a lot of the model does sit. Um, in terms of what's needed, you know, the reason we have that three-person team is we believe that's what a marketing function needs to be. I mean, we in our, in our model, we, there's someone doing content, there's someone doing strategy and running campaigns and implementing ads, things like that, that specialist. And then there's someone doing all the data and backend and admin and, and, and integrations and sort of automations, right? So, so you, you typically need those three functions done. 
And I think if you just have one person or worse still the practice leader is trying to do a little bit of that all by themselves, you can see why things just fall over. You know, you can look at lots of different examples of running an email in your EDM, right? Trying to cap, trying to figure out how to get customers from that, you know, um, the data problems, you know, not having all the customers up to date. So when, you know, when they do an EDM, only half people get it. Like, you know, I mean, there's, there's just a myriad of issues where you can see someone needs to come up with a creative, someone needs to have a, have the plan and be running the strategy to a timeline. Someone needs to be doing the work, getting it done. Someone needs to be doing the content. And you can see how all three of those things, um, need to factor in, particularly the data part, which I think is the biggest, most important piece. Everyone just definitely doesn't have time to focus on when they're a small business. So, so that's why our model kind of works. And then I think going back to what you were saying before, it's just also about um, realizing the, the restriction over focus and time, going back to that as well. You know, you know if, if you're, and I guess this is kind of helpful for the audience, right? If you're realistic about fact that you're you know in in the practice um working away on an hourly basis right your part-time marketing is done by yourself or someone on your team at best um don't have that three-person team then you've really got to focus on what you can actually do well because i think expectations have changed customers now expect really high quality everything you know, I think in the old days you can send a, a newsletter and it could be crap, but everyone would read it. <laughs> I think now nowadays, like, you know, people would pick three or four, maybe, maybe five newsletters or emails that they actually read. I mean, I mean, this is a good poll test. Like, how many do you have? You know, when you see an e- email coming through, you know, this is just a good example, right? I guess to use. How many do you actually Absolutely. read? But what, yeah, what, oh, what's your well. number? <laughs> In my case, um, way too many to actually uh, focus on and pay attention to. So uh, I actually have dedicated filters to siphon off all of that out of my day-to-day. Yeah. So, so there you go. You're, yeah. you're already yeah. siphoning off through filters because right. there's too many coming in. I think, I think a lot of people I speak to these days would have under five weekly or, or bi-weekly emails that they'll actually read and look at. So that that shows you the quality you have to, in my opinion, have to get in that top five. Yeah. If that's the average, right, of what most people would 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 see. Um, so just the email itself, right, on an EDM or monthly basis. If you do it really well, the opportunity is you can be in the top five. If you do it badly or or it's inconsistent or it never turns out, or you do forget to do it, or you just don't put anything interesting, like you just put stuff for the internet that I'm reading it going, well, I could, I could go on Google in two minutes and look at that non-compelling insight. Then, you know, you, 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 you fall into that trap. And I think that itself is a good little mini example yeah. of, of, I guess, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to talk about. Well, they're, they're all relevant points because I think, um, one of the operative words there was about quality. And when I, when I think about quality in anything you do, let alone marketing, there has to be some, um, repetition in the process that you've implemented within your business um, because that is what a quality system is. It's this um, a frequency and cadence of activity that, that always has the result that you're, you're expecting in terms of outcome, output, effectiveness, efficiency, and what have you. And I think when, um, when uh, business owners are dabbling in this and that 
and wearing a lot of hats, um, the quality is very hard to to achieve because you might get really hot about the idea of social media. And so you immerse yourself in that for a week or two. Um, you figure out how to use some of the social media platforms. You put a few posts out. Um, you feel like you're doing something, but then you get busy with the next thing and you move away from social media and those platforms and now you're focused on something else. And so who's doing the social media stuff now, right? You've learned a little bit about it. Um, you've, uh, in a sense, got some satisfaction out of that expansion, that growth that you've experienced, but nobody's actually running the business as usual activities in marketing. And that's not going to change unless there's a resource there to actually continuously do it. Um, and I guess that's that's goes towards quality and it goes towards why these um, types of um, agency alignments can really work. Next episode, we'll pick up the discussion with Peter on B2B marketing and his experience and insights in the healthcare space. And we'll also get some profound insights into how healthcare businesses should be responding to the rapidly approaching future of marketing. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, You can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.